2: Hello and welcome to the Must Hear Music podcast. Uh, my name is Joe Lynch. I'm here with Andrew Unterberger. What's up, Joe? Hey. Uh, so, yeah, we have a- another memorial podcast ahead of us. Uh done two of these in the past. We did David Bowie and Prince, and now we have lost another rock legend, uh, Tom Petty. Unexpectedly, I mean, there was the bizarre, I, I guess, less... T- <laughs> There was a bizarre you know like 24 hour period where it was like was he wasn't he dead?
0: Yeah and his, his daughter came out and uh, decried those who declared him dead on Instagram. yeah
2: let's let's not comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Emotions were high yes um, but yeah so anyways so uh, you know we're going to take a kind of a departure from the usual must hear thing uh, where we talk about new songs and we're just kind of do a little a uh, little more personalized slash billboardy. Uh, history on uh, Mr. Tom Petty. Mr. Tom Petty. So, uh, personally, the last two we did, um, Prince and David Bowie, are some of my, like, they're they're both in my, like, top five of all time. I would say, you know, Tom Petty, certainly not top five for me. How's that for a wonderful way to start (laughs) a Memorial podcast? A touching tribute. Uh, Tom Petty, not top five, yeah. Not top five. Um, No, but I, I love Tom Petty, and I think he's just one of the most interesting musicians. I feel like he appeals to people just across so many different musical spectrums. And with different types of tastes, more so than almost any other musician I can think of. Like, I would say top 10 of like beloved by everyone Mm -hmm. musicians. Like, he falls into that category.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you say he's not in your top five. He's not in my top five either. I think he's just generally not really like a top five kind of guy. And actually, like, I think you look at the Hot 100, I don't think he ever had a top five hit on his own. He had the, no, the one with Stevie Nicks, uh, which, which wasn't really even his song. But, uh, yeah. but that, that's sort of Tom Petty. Like He wasn't the kind of guy that you really build your entire lifestyle mm-hmm. around. Like He wasn't that kind of... Bruce Springsteen hero worship type figure. Yeah, but if he's not in anybody's top five, he's also not not in anybody's top fifty. Probably, right. or, You know, he looked, yeah. he, he's the kind of guy that you know you don't even necessarily realize what an appreciation you have for him until something like this happens, and you kind of look over his, you know, all the albums and all the song titles, and and you're just kind of blown away by you know how many how many great hits he had, how many memories you have associated with him, mm-hmm. just just what kind of a, a place he had in the culture, kind of unassumingly. I think that's a
2: very good way of putting it. Um, And yeah, and and for me, it's also just a personal connection. Um, You know, I grew up, my parents were, especially my mom, big Tom Petty fans, and uh, between the greatest hits, uh, but particularly uh, Full Moon Fever, his first solo album, and then the first Traveling Wilburys album... Um, which is blessedly kind of back in the public view. There was a guy, it was like, it wasn't on Spotify for a really long time. It wasn't on Spotify or I mean, it was released on CD back in the day, but then it wasn't reissued. There was a good, I feel, I feel like most of my life, like the traveling Wilburys were kind of like a hard to find thing. Sort of
0: a lost classic.
2: Yeah. Thank God they're back out there now. That first one, if if you're not familiar, it's like the supergroups and all supergroups. It's, uh, Tom Petty, George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison, and Jeff Lynne, uh, Roy Orbison died before they did a second album, which wasn't as good. Roy Orbison, yeah, died I, I didn't that.
0: even realize just how close, like, because I was reading the the you know, Spin re-promoted their their Tom Petty profile from nineteen eighty nine, and Roy Orbison was already dead at that point. I, I totally forgot how soon it was after yeah. that
2: recording that first LP. Um, but yeah, the the Traveling Wilburys album it's called, I think, just Traveling Wilburys Volume One. Yeah. Um, it definitely sonically is is much more of a I would say a Tom Petty Jeff Lynne affair than. Any of the other players. Um, I mean, the the lead song. Without getting too much on, on talking about other people, uh, <laughs> the lead song "Handle with Care" is very much a George Harrison song. And there's one song that sounds very Dylan. But the, the, to me, the whole album is basically just like. Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne taking these rock heroes they grew up loving and kind of like giving them some material to work with.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we'll get more into this later, but this was kind of the, the Tom Petty and Jeff Lynne era, you know? Mm-hmm. They go on to work together on Full Moon Fever and Into the Great Wide yeah. Open, and they kind of take Tom Petty's career to new commercial heights in the process. Yes. Uh, but be- but what's your
2: personal connection? Anna? Yeah, uh,
0: well, you know, Sam. I mean, I, I think the, the greatest hits was the way in for a lot of people kind of of our age, and that, like, it's the sort of thing that I don't know, my parents certainly owned it too. It was, you know, got played on car road trips. You know, I mm-hmm. I, I know the whole thing. I couldn't even remember actually one time like listening to it on my own, like you know, putting it mm-hmm. the cassette and hitting play, but I must have heard it dozens, who, who even yeah. knows how many times. Uh, my first ever uh, rock concert was a Tom Petty concert. Really. Uh, also, the first time I ever smelled marijuana, and I got Whoa. lightheaded and had to be taken outside. Not sure uh, <laughs> as an eight year old was necessarily the uh, the the best uh, you know, best environment, but I was I was grateful. Wait, the it. first
2: time you smelled marijuana? Yes. Okay, not the first time you smoked marijuana.
0: No, I guess it was the first time I got like a contact high from it. I guess. Wow, I was, that's I was funny. Too, uh, yeah, too young to really understand what was going on. Yeah, there. but you were kind of
2: like marijuana, heavens know,
0: and kind <laughs> of fainted in front of everyone. Uh, it, it had uh, not not the greatest effect on the show time not, not if i had you know tried it recreationally a couple decades later but in any event uh pretty good entree into into the world of rock concerts yeah. uh and i saw him again i guess like you know some 20 years after that were you at the bonnaroo show no by chance? i but... saw him i believe at the pnc bank arts center just <laughs> uh you know some a new jersey amphitheater it was a, a perfectly yeah. reasonable setting for a tom petty totally. show i would say um, uh, still played the hits still sounds good
2: yeah i mean that's i saw him twice and both times it was just uh just like a perfect like Perfect craftsmanship, perfect showman. Sure. Um, you know, exactly just I kinda of, almost like just like worksman like, you know, like show up, deliver the hits, make some sound like you remember on the albums or on the radio. Yep. Um, you know, limited new stuff, but the new stuff is, you know, nicely sprinkled sure. throughout so it doesn't
0: you know, not too many of the the bathroom slash grab a beer breaks. And when the concert was over, the last time I saw him, like there were a bunch of songs that he left on the table, and I, you know, you're, you're kind of upset about it until you think and realize like he just doesn't really ha- like he's not gonna play for four hours, and yeah. if he doesn't play for four hours, then he's gonna leave hits on the table because he has so many of them. And it's true. He played like three hours, and
2: like you said, there's there's too much stuff still, to cover.
0: The ones you miss on them.
2: Um, we'll talk about some of this stuff. So he has a very long, uh, pretty prolific. Uh, you know, for a guy who. Um, well, before before I dove off another tangent. So, yeah, uh, there's Tom Petty solo, three <laughs> solo albums. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, just a, a truckload of albums from those guys. Sure. Uh, two Traveling Wilburys albums and then two Mudcrutch Crutch records. So Mud Crutch was the band he uh, dropped out of high school to focus on. They weren't really going anywhere, so they broke up in the 70s. He took a couple of those guys, and they formed Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. But then, did you ever listen
0: to those Mudcrutch albums?
2: I did. Yeah, and Being the generous man that he oh, was, wow. uh, about 10 years ago, he kind of... Because I think Mudcrutch, was, there was maybe one or two people who didn't go under the Heartbreakers, so yeah. who didn't, you know, kind of experience just a lifetime of success, basically. <laughs> um, he got back together the with them, and they released a couple albums. I only listened to the first one, which was... 2008, self-titled. Um, and it was, I mean, I mean, honestly... What does it sound like? I really don't know that much about it. It sounds like a Tom Petty record. Okay. I would say it sounds like a slightly harder-rocking Tom Petty
0: album. Um, but he, he was right to leave those losers in the dust, is basically what you're saying.
2: 100%. <laughs> no, uh, it was, you know, it was... I would. One thing I would say is that it was a, it was a very... Uh, and I guess forewarning, we're going to be jumping around a lot. This will not be a chronological <laughs> retelling of Tom Petty's uh, life and catalog. But it, he was good at kind of... For, for someone who didn't have the largest Sonic palette. Like he was good at mixing things up. Mm-hmm. Um, and mud crutch, you know, for someone who like by 19 or excuse me, 2008 was kind of, you'd be like, Oh, what's, what's a new Tom Petty possibly going to hear? Like he, you know, that was a smart move, I think to be like, all right, well now I'm going to start a new band. And by new band, I mean, a band that <laughs> existed 30 Old years man, yeah. ago. Um, and it kind of is like a throwback to a little bit of that kind of like bar band, seventies Heartland rock thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a little more straightforward, a little harder edged, uh, but the second Mudcrutch album is technically his last album now. It's just called Two, and that came out last year. So that is
0: his swan song, really. Yeah, I'll have to have to delve back into that one. Not, not super familiar, but I think that is sort of a, a thing that that gets underrated about Tom Petty. He's you, you kind of briefly alluded to there. Uh, he did he did evolve a lot over the course of his career. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you sort of think of Tom Petty and you get the idea of this guy who kind of stuck in his very like you know, heartland rock, maybe kind of power mm-hmm. pop lane. But you look, you look at like if, if you took like one Tom Petty hit from every five years, you know they all sound like Tom Petty, but they don't really sound anything like one another. You know, he yeah. he, he he dips into synth-pop and new wave in the '80s, mm-hmm. and he goes stripped down in the '90s, and then he goes kind of blues rock in the aughts. And it's 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 a much more colorful palette that I think he probably gets a, gets credit for.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's true, and I think you get a, maybe a a hint of that even on the debut. If anyone mm-hmm. want to talk about that a little sure, bit, yeah, sure. So let Self-titled 1976, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers the year no, I'm not to do that um so yeah so th- this is the first one and i think a lot of people like if you if you look up the the album cover art to tom petty and the heartbreakers it's him kind of with this uh like sort of, it's like it's a smirk it's a very i would say a sardonic smirk uh
0: maybe but it, it's very like they, they they pretty him up a little bit for the cover which uh, which was sort of uh surprising it's as pretty to as as tom Petty's said, well get yeah it. sure but like you know no one's going to confuse him from leaf Garrett or anything but he, yeah. he definitely looks like, at least they're trying to position him as some cor- some sort of, you know, like a rock star, which, which is yes. sort of a, a thing that Tom Petty kind of resisted over the course of his career. Right, this is true. Um,
2: but it's, it's an iconic cover image, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's very, very rock and roll. Um, you know, you look at the track listing, you listen to the album, you're like, oh, man, he, you know, he came out of the door or, you know, just like fully Tom Petty, you know, fully dominating. Uh, it's got American Girl on it, has got Breakdown. but And I think one thing that kind of gets forgotten historically is that first album didn't do that well yeah. i mean it wasn't exactly a flop um but neither american girl or breakdown were big hits at the time they later re-released breakdown and it did hit top 40 um but they kind of it kind of like middling sales yeah. it just didn't connect you know i think this was 76 it was you know what people were listening to was either kind of classic rock excess you know like really big bloated albums or the people who were sick of that were getting into more uh, you know, like punk, new wave stuff. And, you know, I think he kind of got lumped into that a little bit, but he's not really any of, he's not punk or new wave. He's yeah, just like, it, he's just a
0: straightforward rock band. It was, it was interesting to me to do some reading today and find out that back in, this, in the mid seventies that Tom Petty was on like the bills with, you know, you would be on bills with X or like, uh, yeah. or like other like LA punk type bands and he would be playing at cbgvs with the uh, mm-hmm. you know talking heads or whatever. Like it, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that he came from those kind of backgrounds but as you said like because he wasn't Pink Floyd and he wasn't King Crimson and he right. wasn't you know Super Tramp or whatever that that those that, that, that was the crowd that it made sense to kind of lump him in with. Mm-hmm. But he never really had that kind of like righteous fury to him at least not yeah. not quite in the same way, you know. He had, he had his causes but he wasn't he wasn't yeah, rebelling Yeah, he wasn't really against-
2: everything yeah he was he
0: wasn't uh like inherently anti-establishment but he did have songs that were kind of lean uh muscular two-minute three-minute rock songs that that first album is like 10 tracks in 30 minutes which is Mm -hmm. is pretty impressive yeah Uh, and it you know eventually it
2: went gold eventually mm -hmm. it became you know a classic and all that stuff but it's um anyway so it it wasn't a big thing when it came out um he kind of 1979 was the year he really broke through with damn the torpedoes uh which is another one of those ones where like you look at the track list and it's just like you know, a massive, massive. It's got uh, refugee. Here comes my girl. Don't do me like that. It is, are those the first three songs? No. Yeah. No. They, no refugee even a, and Here Comes My Girl are the first uh, two songs, and then even the Losers is that's, the first. That's a top three right there. Wow. I mean, yeah. Opening an album with the, those are like three of the most famous classic rock songs of all time. Yeah, really. Those are like, there. if you've never sought out Tom Petty, you've probably heard these songs twenty times yeah. just by virtue of existing
0: and it seems like this like every kind of classic rock figure of tom petty's era had to have one album like this like right. uh, you know billy joel had the stranger bruce, mm-hmm. bruce springsteen had born to run and then this was his like you know a, a, not quite every track maybe but like at least five or six tracks that just get constantly recirculated throughout fm rock radio for basically all of eternity right uh and, and it actually was a, a, success, a commercial success in its own right unlike mm-hmm. like the first couple uh i think it peaked at number two for seven weeks b- b- behind your your favorite Pink Floyd album, The Wall.
2: Ugh, <laughs> The Wall. Whatever. What, what a think. contrast there,
0: though, right? Like, yeah,
2: yeah, a... that is was crazy to think about. Um, but, I mean, yeah, so what, What like, you know, like this album, what, what do you, uh, you know, we were you were re-listening to some of the the Petty, like, what do you think yeah. about an album like Damn the Torpedoes? Like, do you think it stands as, like, one of the 70s greatest, or do you think, you know, Tom Petty is kind of, like, best served with the greatest hits type thing?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that... uh you know, he's not really like a classic albums artist. He's not the kind, like he's not going to make a version of The Wall, which is like, you know, really intricate and like tracks bleeding into one another and large conceptual frameworks and stuff like that. He's not that kind of album artist, even compared to something like Born to Run, where it's like very mm-hmm. much, you know, paced kind of like scenes from a movie. That's not him. He just gives you the songs and, you know, he, he you know paces them well, but uh, the, the songs don't add up to much more than, you know, the, the sum of their parts. But some the of their parts on "Damn Torpedoes" is, is just staggering. I mean, uh, th- those three songs. "Don't Do Me Like That, is, is I think one of the greatest pop rock songs ever written. Just in terms like just sheer economy, the, the, mm-hmm. you know, every, every phrase he uses doesn't doesn't have anything like uh, any, any sort of un- unnecessary padding to it. The intro hits hard. Doesn't doesn't run on a second longer than necessary. Yeah. Fantastic chorus. Like you you could teach an entire like class on that song. It's just just textbook stuff.
2: Right. I mean yeah, that that's an under 3 minute song and then Refugee is like, 3 minutes and 20 seconds and <laughs> Refugee to me just feels like like an epic. Like if someone mm-hmm. when you think of how short it is, 3 minutes 20 seconds, like that's oh, that's almost unbelievable because it just seems to cover so much like sonic and emotional ground. Like from that opening like note like that's just like like the start of a
0: movie like yeah, the, you know the, the organs are just severe on that song.
2: Yeah, it's just incredible, but it's it's not overblown in any way. No. It's it's very like you said there's a lot of economy uh in storytelling and in craftsmanship. Um and and, re- and yeah, something about his delivery, just that kind of like that wry I, I don't know, wry iconoclastic humor yeah. where it's you know, you you get a lot of times you listen to it and you're like I get where he's coming from, other times you're like Maybe he's being a little, you know, a little too far off in his strange Tom Petty world and not really letting the rest of us in. But I think that's part of the the kind of the beauty of someone like that yeah. is that sometimes what, what he does hits. Other times it doesn't. But you're like, all right, he's
0: just doing his thing <laughs> no matter what. Yeah, no, it, it always feels like Tom Petty. He doesn't really stray too far from the course there. Uh, real quick, going back to American Girl. I'd forgotten. That's the last track on that album. On the on the first album.
2: Yeah, we did. We did go through that too
0: fast. The, yeah, I mean that that
2: first album. Right. I mean, ending an album with "American Girl" is just like.
0: But I, I, I wonder if that almost hurt like its its commercial prospects at the time. Like that, that's that, to me like to me that's like the, uh, an ultimate opening track, especially because I think it's the first track on the greatest hits album. Yes. And like you on. On the first album, it gets like buried after a couple of kind of the weird, like the weirder songs in the album. They're like mm-hmm. a couple like reggae ish, like almost uh, dub experimental tracks towards the end. Yeah, uh, and then then it hits you, and it, it you know, by by that time you totally let your guard down, and it, it, it's it's tremendous. But I, I do wonder if if it kind of hurt its commercial fortunes in real time that it wasn't you know just the lead track first, you know, side one track one first album sort of thing. Could yeah, I could
2: have been iconic pretty much from the get go? That's probably pretty astute. I mean, I know like back in the seventies. Um, you know, the way, I mean, yeah, that's how things were. I mean, people bought, did, that was an album era. And, mm-hmm. like, the way albums kind of, like, you know, carried, in great part, was word of mouth. And that was because people would put them on at parties or when you were, you know, with your friends or, like, smoking up or whatever. And, like, <laughs> you know, like, people aren't going to stick through the whole album sometimes. Yeah. Like, the first one is really what mattered. And that's why I would say most of these pop albums from the 70s, 80s, like, usually they would front load. Yeah, very front usually. With your hits. I mean, yeah. that totally makes sense and uh i mean yeah american girl is one of i just one of the all time like achievements in like classic rock oh, yeah, like, it's like this is just like classic rock as yeah. art um you know and i think I mean, it's like, another one of those great examples just like born in the usa like you just song title or like by barely listening to it, you're like, oh, this is like a song about America and patriotism. And then you actually listen to it, it's like actually it's a pretty bleak. Yeah,
0: it's a, the second verse gets dark and, and then that, that kind of funk breakdown comes out of nowhere in the middle. And then, yeah. and then it doesn't give you that last chorus. It's always, doesn't a, give you the last always chorus. what kills me about American Girl. It's that but.
2: like lightning fast finger picking just like <laughs> rings off into nothing. And then the song ends, which so I wait, think come is,
0: back! Like, is an
2: interesting, like to end the album yeah. and the song that way. Um it's kind of a desperate sort of thing. So but, but
0: yeah, as you mentioned like yeah, this is one of the songs that just exists for all time like uh we had a, uh, one of our co-writers, Chris Payne, recently just did a uh, like a 12 best covers of American Girl list, yeah. and he, he probably left out 20 or 30 of them. Right. But like, you know, Taylor Swift covered this song, for God's sake. Like That's
2: funny. Uh, it's, that. it's, it's
0: about as, as well-enduring as any song from its period, especially for one that wasn't even a hit in its, in its lifetime.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely, that's true. I always think of um, In Silence of the Lambs. Sure. The, Poor Catherine Martin. Uh, yeah. Singing along to this song and then getting beaten and uh, abducted yeah abducted yeah um but yeah aside from that otherwise, <laughs> otherwise <laughs> great song um but yeah Anyway, so let's uh so keep moving yeah let's, let's, let's keep moving let's get so the 80s got, here let's get into the 80s so his first uh, hard promises 1981 so that starts off with the waiting and a woman in in love parentheses Princes. it's not me Um, you know what? What are your thoughts? I guess on like the waiting. The, the you know, waiting's the,
0: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a classic too. Uh, and that sort of is like, you know, if if uh, if refugee was kind of like like the, the 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 typical like blues rock kind of bar band Tom Petty song. This was his like ultimate jangle pop, uh, mm-hmm. you know, birds kind of rip off p- power pop song. Uh, and yeah, it, it's it's a it's a really beautiful riff. It's it's actually a really kind of touching lyric. Uh, and it's too bad that, like, because of its chorus, it's kind of gotten reduced to, like, you know, like, a, a, just the song you play, like, like in commercials when, like, you're trying to illustrate somebody right. waiting for yeah. something. So it's, it's uh, I wrote in my best songs piece, is basically, like, like, fill in music for the Final Jeopardy theme when, like, you can't mm-hmm. afford the Final Jeopardy theme. And that's unfortunate, but it's it's a great song. Uh, and I think I think it's, like, first big hit of the MTV era, too. And, and obviously, he goes on to, to be, like, an iconic figure in the early years of MTV after that.
2: Yes. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think that's, it, if we want to just go into that, I mean, sure. Tom Petty is the the kind of unlikely MTV hero, which uh, Gil Kaufman, one of our wonderful, wonderful writers, wonderful writers. wrote a great piece about. Um, yeah, I mean, Tom Petty, you know, MTV, when it started out, obviously played music videos, as everyone knows, <laughs> and complains about still to this day.
0: Yeah. Um, Won't be seeing any Tom Petty videos on TRL these days. Probably not.
2: No. Um, but yeah, and most of those kind of fell into the like burgeoning new wave scene. Sure, um, you know, I think the first, I mean, yeah, the first video they ever played was the Buggles' video "Killed the Radio Star." Um, you know, Cyndi Lauper was an early staple. You know, Duran Duran, Duran exactly. Yeah. And these people, very like new wave synth pop, new romantic, and very
0: like image focused people too.
2: Super image focused, very colorful videos. Um, all kind of, I would say maybe high concepts, the wrong word, but you know, I mean, Tom, and then Tom Petty kind of comes and he's basically just like him looking weird. You know, yeah. he's a, he's a very tall gaunt looking man, <laughs> uh, kind of staring into the camera, you know, unnervingly and, uh, playing these classic rock songs. It was, it was very against type, uh, for what, uh, MTV was favoring, and for that reason, I guess it worked. Or
0: yeah, well, I think uh, yeah, he he did a good job of playing along, but not playing along too much. You know, like he made some some weird videos with high concepts, like the "You Got mm-hmm. Lucky" videos, like a riff on Mad Max, and uh, such a good video, such a good video. Yeah. Uh, and it has like a kind of a weird intro part, and but mm-hmm. but it, but that also was like one of his most MTV-friendly songs because it has that really big synth riff right, and, exactly. and a chorus, and that that kind of matches it. Uh, but you know, he he didn't. He didn't do anything that felt inauthentic to him. Like, it, it, it was still, you know, it was kind of winking. It was, it was kind of wry and, and, and very much not, like, him pretending to be a UK new romantic. It was just Tom Petty showing up and, like, not wanting to ruin everybody else's good time. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, him making videos on his own terms. And I, I think he had, he had kind of a love-hate relationship with it, but he, he went along with it. And he, he not only survived into the 80s, but he basically thrived. I mean, this, this was as, as successful a period for him as he for had sure. in the 70s.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was really, I mean, considering, yeah, he came out in 76 and didn't really break through until 78, 79. I mean, the 80s were definitely his biggest decade. And Mm -hmm. this is a decade where, you know, aside from like, sure, he had synths in some of his songs, but that was not his his go-to instrument. This is a decade where he was an outsider sonically, really. I mean, of course, there were other big rock acts in the 80s. But I think if you think of like someone like Dire Straits or even Springsteen, they maybe Mm -hmm. I hate to use the word conform, but they fit in a little better with what was on the radio. Tom Petty was still very kind of, like, throwback favoring. I mean, this was a guy who was mining the sounds of the birds, you know, yeah. in the 80s. And, and that was, N- not you know, hit, No jangle, folk rock was, I mean, sure, the Smiths were doing it, but, like, this was not a song that American... Tom Petty and the Smiths just holding it down for American, the jangle exactly. <laughs>
0: that American radio was, like, favoring. Yeah, and, and Bruce Springsteen, you know, he, he, he also had, like, a tremendous success in the music video era, but he did so in, like, a very kind of self-serious sort of way. Like, you know, you would hire John Sayles to direct these kind of short, independent films almost uh, mm-hmm. that were very, you know... Serious, and uh, you know they, they had they had a lot to do with like his his roots and and kind of commenting on small town America and all that stuff. Tom Petty just showed up and like recreated Alice in Wonderland with like a big cake at the end that they they ate like, mm-hmm. that was made of the of his leading lady. Like it, it's right. Uh, like it, it's it's almost like an unfair comparison because you know, Tom Petty like he he. he yeah, he he leaned into what was really making MTV work at the time rather than making MTV come to him, which you know, he didn't have the clout that somebody like Bruce Springsteen did to to kind of force the MTV to bend to his will, but that it ended up working for him because he he mm. came up with a couple of these these videos that they that became among the most iconic of his time, and I think don't come around here no more is probably the probably my personal favorite of them. Do you, do you yeah. have a favorite of those confetti videos? videos?
2: Um, I'd probably say Mary Jane's Last Stand. Okay. I mean, you know, digging up a corpse and. <laughs> with
0: it is, don't know if you can get away with that video today. I think there would be some, some think pieces
2: happy. about that one. That's yeah. probably true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's jumping ahead to the '90s. But uh, you know, that's just it's, it's, that's that's the kind of thing that like leaves a, a very big impression on mm-hmm. you as
0: a kid. So, uh, do you have a
2: favorite of these kind of late '80s albums of his? Um, I mean certainly like Full Moon Fever, sure. which we can hop into, but if if we're talking just uh about the uh the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers material. I mean i don't that's I would say like Southern Accents, I like that song a lot. Um maybe the late eighties Petty albums with the Heartbreakers I'm not as into. Yeah. It kinda of and- drops off in terms
0: like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: In terms of my interests a little bit, or at least that's the point where I'm like, I'm happy listening to the greatest hits version than like, really returning to those albums a ton
0: yeah i tend to agree with you uh our our co-worker frank giacomo was was preaching the gospel for uh southern accents earlier so i I do feel like i have to kind of give that one another chance but i was digging into let me up i've had enough recently that's the only album of his that doesn't or at least from this period that Mm -hmm. isn't represented on the greatest hits yeah probably for good reason i mean
2: right that's kind of what and you know again like this is not an album i know deeply but like from what i've listened to i'm always kind of like "Eh."
0: whatever Jamming Me is fun it's a a, a Bob Dylan co-write and has a a cool extremely like ahead of its time at the time video that's now like super dated where like Mm kind of plays around with, with like a bunch of visual effects but yeah, uh, it's not surprising that he decided he had to go in a pretty pretty drastic other direction for uh, for his last album of the '80s.
2: Right. I mean, yeah, Full Moon Fever, so his first solo album, mm-hmm. um, produced by Jeff Lynne from ELO. Uh, you know, who he was, he joined in the Traveling Wilburys just the year before. Uh, so I think their their debut album came out in '88, and Full Moon Fever is '89. Um, and this was, I mean, again, so you know, like he started out in '76. Not huge waves, then breaks through in major way with Damn the Torpedoes. He wasn't like struggling in the late 80s, but it was there was definitely like kind of it seemed like a gradual yeah, slide, slight,
0: slightly fallow period. Perhaps. And
2: you know, even if Full Moon Fever, the album didn't hit number one, even if Free Falling didn't hit number one on the Hot 100, I mean, these were just absolutely inescapable songs sure. and they were massive and then they just persisted for years. I mean, really, you know, this is a period during which I was a kid and growing up, and I remember it being mid-90s, and you were still hearing Free Fallen on normal pop radio, as if this was a contemporary <laughs> sure. pop song. And this is, a, you know, at that point, it's like a six-year-old song, uh-huh. and people are treating it as still just like, it's its kind of like how smooth was, you know, <laughs> a decade later. <laughs> the like smooth of its era, It Free was Fallin', an unkillable yeah. song sure. that you could just, you know, you would still hear on contemporary pop radio just absolutely years after. It was no longer contemporary.
0: As, as well as within, you know, five miles of any, any, any like, acoustic guitar store. Uh.
2: Without a doubt. Yeah, well, yeah, that's one of those opening riffs where you hear it and you're like, I could get a guitar and I could learn how to play that. Yeah,
0: like, if you only know three chords, you probably still know how to play Free Fallen, I right.
2: think. Um, but, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about that and then that whole sure. album. Like, that, that's, for me, definitely my favorite Tom Petty album. And that's partially by virtue of just hearing it almost 100 times. I'm probably not even exaggerating growing up from my parents. Um, but it's it's also just it's a it's a beautiful album. You know, sure. this is where he like he takes his like pretty straightforward classic rock sound, but he strips it back a little bit more, throws in some of the birdsy Dylan jangle that he grew up loving. I think it's just a little more reflective. I think the pop melodies are a little stronger, but then there's really like just like vicious, vicious maybe not a good <laughs> word, but just like um, take no prisoners, hard rockers like running down a dream, sure. which is just one of the like sickest rock riffs.
0: You're So Bad's on this one, too, right? You're So Bad's on this that's one.
2: one. Um, I Won't Back Down, which is just a, you know, and again, what a great, like, that's one of those songs, like, incredible chorus, you know, so incredible that Sam Smith inadvertently <laughs> just, ripped just it off. just seeps in there, yeah, this, years this, later. Sam Smith's musical consciousness. Um, a great guitar riff, which is not, like, probably one of the best guitar riffs of his career. It's not even, like, the best part of the song, mm-hmm. you know, and this is a song where the verses are incredible, too. So, so anyway, the album is Free fall and I Won't Back Down. Love is a Long Road. Eh, that one's not so hot. Don't call that one so hot. Well. Uh Facing the Crowd, just beautiful a, song. a really beautiful song, incredible lyrics. Uh, and then Running Down a Dream, which is just a remarkable rocker, which just like keeps going and just like keeps getting harder and harder. Yeah. Um and then I'll feel a whole lot better, which is a bird's cover so beautiful, and then, yeah, you're so bad,
0: which is yeah, that, that, uh, that's That's a run. I mean, uh, you know, going back to, sorry to belabor the Springsteen analogy, but if, you know, if Damn the Torpedoes was just born to run, and this was just born in the USA, probably, yeah. like, the the kind of commercial blockbuster where everything sort of comes together, and he maybe, you know, maybe he sands down some of his rough edges a little, you know, aerates with the production, like, uh, it's definitely his most, I would say his most accessible album. Mm-hmm, or for Certainly sure. of his big yeah. albums. Uh, and, you know, yeah, you have a song like Free Fallin', which, you know, there's there's nobody in America who, who that song would alienate, you know. Like, right. Yeah. At, at least the first 70 times you hear it after that, mm-hmm. maybe some <laughs> right, people are right. dropping off a little bit. But, yeah, just, yeah, beautiful songs, good mix of songs, great production from Jeff Lynn and, and Mike Campbell, who I always forget, was probably more involved with the, the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers experience than we give him credit for. So, 100%. So, shout out yeah. to Mike Campbell. But, uh, but yeah, this this was kind of Tom Petty's moment. He you know he had the, the success with the Traveling Wilburys. He had Full Moon Fever. He was owning MTV. He had mm-hmm. his, his first uh, or his biggest uh, solo hit. Yeah, this this was kind of uh, the, the apex for him.
2: Right, and I think you know one thing we've we've been talking about him commercially and kind of also him as this um, you know just like paragon of middle of the road rock, which is true. But like he, he was also an, an artist. Like I, I don't want to like sure. undersell this. Like he he was the, the kind of person who like very much valued art for the sake of art. Mm-hmm. His lyrics are really poetic and beautiful, but in kind of that, like, you know, like working class Springsteen ish way. Although I, I don't think their lyric similarities, uh, I don't think the, the way of writing wasn't terribly similar, but I think kind of uh, their lyrical preoccupations yeah. were. I mean, you know, Tom Petty came from a very, he came from poverty, came from a working class background. And, you know, that's what, like, a song like You're So Bad, which opens with My Sister Got Lucky, Merity Yuppie, Took Him for All He Was Worth, is just still, to me, one of the like, greatest opening lyrics in mm. a rock song.
0: And, I mean, the, the, it just and the, tells a full story in this right. very very brief amount of time. The, the main difference to me is that it always seemed like like Bruce Springsteen was trying to comment, you mm-hmm. know, like he was he was he had an angle that he was shooting from when 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 he kind of did his like little tales from the heartland and some right. suburban America. Tom Petty always seemed kind of neutral on that. Like, he, he never seemed to be saying, like, oh, he, I got to get out, or, oh, the, you know, you know the heartland is really where a true America lies. He never really yeah. kind of messaged with his lyrics. He just kind of told stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that that probably, you know, that that makes him less of a cult figure, but it also makes him more of an everyman, like, and sort yeah. of a true everyman. Uh, and, and, yeah, like... Uh, Nobody says uh, Ventura Boulevard like like Tom Petty. like that that, that def- He definitely owns yeah. the street of Ventura Boulevard mm-hmm. for, the, for the rest of his life. That is true. So I'm so, no, not We're for the rest down. of his life at this point, but for the rest <laughs> of all time, I would say.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, really, the only bad song on the album, Zombie Zoo, I think, at the end. Ooh, is don't just... remember that one. It's dumb. Listen to it.
0: Uh, <laughs> otherwise, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a fan of the one dumb song on an otherwise like impe- unimpeachable blockbuster LP. Like that's fine by me.
2: Oh totally. Give yeah, me one. That to me that doesn't like negate its classic sure. status. Like I always think of Kala, the MIA album that way. Like just perfect flawless album and then that last song with Timbaland is just like oh, I don't like remember. I, one, I don't, I don't remember one.
0: that one at all. I'll take your word for it.
2: Um anyways. So then yeah, so he returned to the Heartbreakers, made uh, another album. Um, and then 94 did another solo album with producer Rick Rubin, Wildflowers. Um, just really a gorgeous, like, stark, beautiful... I mean, that song is just... If you if you haven't heard it, it wasn't, like, a massive hit, but just the title track, Wildflowers, is so yep. beautiful. But it wasn't
0: even a single, I don't think. But, yeah, it uh, wasn't a single. Yeah, yeah it, you're right. But, but certainly it was still one of his probably best-remembered songs, I would think.
2: Yes, I mean, I think Dixie Chicks sang it at one oh, point. Oh, wow, really? I could be
0: making this up, but uh, there's been a lot
2: of beautiful covers of it. Mm-hmm. I mean... Uh, are, are you into the wildflowers? Oh, yeah honestly?
0: I haven't listened to this one in a little while but I, I, I'm definitely a fan uh, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, you don't know how it feels and the one shot video is a classic uh, great chorus that he kind of you know baited sensors with you know the, the let me get to the point let's roll another joint uh, mm. that's that, that's classic Tom Petty right there. Uh, real, real quick because we kind of glossed over into the great wide open which, yeah, we, yeah, can, we can c- return to that right now c- certainly yeah. not like yeah not in the canonical Petty album probably but it does have maybe my favorite Tom Petty song that's Learning to Fly the
1: world gets still I'm to fly
2: wings coming down is the hardest thing uh, That's a really like, another beautiful, simple one.
0: Yeah, like, uh, it, it occurred to me, kind of, you know, listening to it, doing doing research for for the top 20 list that I did, that uh, a, a lot of its appeal is, is the same as what appeals to me about Peter Gabriel's Salisbury Hill. Mm-hmm. So this is a sort of, you know, naturalistic song. It's got, you know, the, the lyrics are slightly enigmatic, but also, you know, they, they, they kind of fit into a lot of different frameworks. Uh, gorgeous production, beautiful riff, and just a chorus that, like, just soars forever. Yeah. Uh, and like it, it, it's it's a melody that's like that fits into a lot of different like genres. Like mm-hmm. there, I've heard country covers of it, I've heard dance covers of it, obviously plenty of rock covers of it. And it's it, it's one of those songs. That I don't think it was it wasn't really one of his biggest hits necessarily on the charts, but I, it, it's it's got a kind of timelessness to it. I think it's that's kind of the one that's going to live on, you know, past his death for probably for a long time.
2: Yeah, I agree. Learning to Fly is beautiful. The title track, Into the Great Wide Open, sure. is another. Um, kind of one with those, like, you know, beautiful enigmatic lyrics where they're, you know, it's not totally obscure, but it's just enigmatic enough where you're like, oh, sure, I could read a million different things into this, depending on where I am in life. Um, and yeah, a great album. And then that, that actually reminds me too, with that one and Full Moon Fever, um, you know, just kind of like his sense of humor. He had, uh during midway through the CD, or the CD or the cassette versions, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember either. But, but there's a part where he stops and says, like, all right, let's take a moment for those who are listening on uh, vinyl, because this was when <laughs> CDs would have been kind of the new thing. He's like, let's take a brief moment for those listening on vinyl to get up and switch their mm. records over. Um, and that would only have been available on the CD and or cassette versions, which I'd have to go <laughs> back to because I don't quite remember. But, um, you know, there's so just such like, a prankster. He's yeah, fun, yeah, a sure. little prankster. Sure. Um, but then, yeah, so let's, I we'll mean, I m- want to skip over the big, so let's, what else have we got in the 90s? Uh, well, yeah, the, this... the, hit,
0: the hits kind of dry up after that. At, at that point, it's sort of fans only. Uh, right, yeah. And, you know, the, there's there's fun, there's fun tracks here and there. I, I like uh, some of the songs off of She's the One, the, the soundtrack he did mm. for what I'm sure was a, a perfectly mediocre Edward Burns movie with Jennifer Aniston. Uh, I really like, uh, he, he does a, a cover of a Beck song called Asshole which is kind of, like, an, it's, an inter- it's an interesting choice, and it's kind of an inspired cover. They, they, he finds kind of a middle ground between his style and Beck's that actually ends up kind of predicting the route that Beck would take himself on mutations a couple years later. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Uh, and There's some good singles off Echo. Uh, he can't, He says he can't really play that album anymore because it's, it's apparently very connected to his, his fr- divorce from his first wife. Hmm. Uh, but at, at this point, like... Tom Petty kind of exits the the pop music sphere. Like I don't think he has yes. another top forty hit after Wildflowers, and he does have, doesn't have like another Inescapable MTV song. And he kind of becomes a cult artist. But you know he still he still notches every album hits the hits the top ten pretty much of the Billboard right. two hundred. Uh, he still sells out tours wherever he goes. Sure. He's, he's still you know he still has a fan base and he doesn't lose any of it but his his days of a kind of a contemporary artist are sort of over but we sh- we probably should i, I think the, the last kind of essential tom petty release is that greatest hits album which we've yes. already talked about already but like I, I i don't think it can be stated enough just like what an essential what an essential lp this is like you know great the, the sort of the, the art of the greatest hits albums kind of lost to the spotify era and it makes sense yeah. and it, i'm not going to really decry it too much but you you do miss out on like really formative greatest Hits sets like this, where mm-hmm. like, you know, I, I could have met you for the first time today and just by knowing that you're a music fan, I know I could talk to you about Tom Petty's Greatest Hits album because yeah. it is just an album that everybody had. Uh, and in that everybody's familiar with. And it kind of creates a canon, like a separate from the canon of, you know, pop radio and, and, yeah. even t- and even like classic rock radio. So, like, it creates a common language among Tom Petty fans where it's like, okay, maybe you and I can't go super deep on the Hard Promises deep cuts. Mm-hmm. But we all know these 16 or however many exactly tracks it is right. pretty well. And we, and we always will.
2: Yes. No, I think that's – and it's, it's also like this is, you know, the CD era. So, like sure. – Greatest Hits uh, had the ability to kind of like retell an art, like almost like change history exactly, yeah. basically for an artist, you know? So like a song like American Girl, which as you know, mentioned opens the Greatest Hits like so incredibly, um, you know, which wasn't a big hit at the time, which, which remained a classic rock st- radio staple for those of us who like kind of grew up with Tom Petty Greatest Hits, you know, then we think that this is like alpha, like A plus best Tom Petty. Like sure. it starts to kind of, change the story in terms of, like, what are the biggest hits and what we value the most.
0: And and also, uh, we should should mention that Mary Jane's Last Dance, uh, your your favorite Tom Petty video, certainly one of uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers' favorite Tom Petty songs. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it, it only appears on The Greatest Hits, and you know, most artists uh, took the kind of requisite bonus track on The Greatest Hits, is, you know, you'd throw in a cover, which Tom Petty also does with his cover of Thunderclap yep. Newman Something in the Air, or you just kind of phone in like a song that might have made a B-side otherwise. But this was one of Tom Petty's biggest hits, and yeah. this song is great, and you know, it kind of does sees him doing like a, a Bob Dylan sing-rap sort of thing, and yes. uh, yeah. it's got a, a nice riff too, and there, there's some just beautiful moments in it, beautiful harmonies, just, in, just another Tom Petty classic.
1: Of this town again.
2: Yes, it is. And yeah, and in 1993 for a rock song that wasn't a grunge song right, yeah. to be that big um, and well-loved was kind of a coup. Um, yeah, and and I don't know. I just, I guess personally, just kind of looking at those last few releases, when I say last few, I guess I really just mean like last 20 years.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, we, we kind of et cetera the last couple decades there, but it, it, it's inevitable.
2: Um, I, I would say, you know, even like the, like the Last DJ was an album that did not get good reviews when it came out. Um, I, I had
0: forgotten just what a, like what pans that got. Like uh, on all it, music, I yeah. think they gave it one star. Yeah, like,
2: Rolling Stone, I think, and I could be remembering this incorrectly, but I, I'm pretty sure they, they trashed it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, and I'm not going to say it's a good album, but like the title track is good. Like it's, you listen to it and you know, it's like really like if you're if you value Tom Petty as a songwriter and mm-hmm. storyteller and like his musical vibe, like it's it's a good song. Like, there's really no reason to like tear into it the re- the way people did.
0: I think that I think the reason why that album maybe got kind of unfair views, and I agree with you that like there, there's some good songs on there, and also like some songs that don't really fit into the the, the idea of what people have of the last DJ is kind of the sort of angry sort of scream yeah. against the music industry. Second half of the album, has some really lovely songs on it. But I think the reason why that album turned people off the way it did is because they sort of relied on Tom Petty to be sort of an even keeled figure in their lives, mm-hmm. and to not really like get get you know indulge himself in these bouts of self righteousness, uh, and and so you, you get songs like that song uh, you know your, your your personal theme song Joe, which uh, <laughs> yeah. is, is like this very you know it, it, it's it's I, I would say it, it it's it's not a particularly uh, you know. Well veiled, uh, you know, screed against, uh, you know, the, the, the record company figures in his life. And it's, it's pretty thick with some of yes. the, some of the metaphors and some of the, the, you know, so, yeah, you can go and go look it up on lyric sites. You'll, you'll get more of an idea of what I'm talking about. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you get past that. It, it, it's it's you know, it's still Tom Petty, it's still still a well-written album, it's still you know beautiful in spots and I was, I was reading some interview with him where he says that like he wishes people hadn't con- like concentrated so much on the lyrics of that album because he yeah. thinks that musically it's one of his strongest efforts.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's it's the lyrics and that you know people always I think very understandably have a bit of um backlash and discomfort when these you know rich famous people sure. make albums complaining about you know how difficult things are, like the the industry and the media, especially like, so late in their careers. Exactly, too, yeah. and I think especially you know it didn't help that this came out in two thousand two, which is just a year after nine eleven, or not you know not <laughs> more even more important things to
0: worry about, Tom. Well, yeah, yeah, and there's Who also cares an about your radio like, spins,
2: like you know, like Springsteen was smart to come back with the Rising, which is a very That's, I did not think about that. That's you know, like point. an album that is very sonically reassuring, that lyrically reassures mm-hmm. us and is hopeful for the future, and then. You know, after like something like that, people turn to a classic rock figure for some sense of nostalgia, sure. and Tom Petty is focused on complaining about the music industry. So I, I see why, yeah, I see. I think that really fueled a lot of those negative reviews. That being said, though, I, I agree with Mr. Petty. I think it is a very, I think it's a strong album. Yeah, I think no. it gets... Too much, uh, too much shit. But but then yeah, I mean, you look through the like, Mojo was came out in twenty ten, Hypnotic Guy in twenty fourteen. I mean, these are his only
0: Billboard number one album.
2: Hypnotic Guy Guy is his only Billboard number one. I mean, these are not albums where. Listen, if you're not a fan, like, don't listen to it. But, like, Probably it not. is worth listening to. They're not bad albums. No, yeah, but I actually really like,
0: I was re-listening to Hypnotic Eye today. That's a really strong album, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and It's got a kind of a vitality to it that might have been missing on a couple of his uh, other 21st century albums. Yeah. You know, and you read, like, the Billboard cover story that he did around the time, and everyone's saying, oh, yeah, he sounds like he did his first two albums. Maybe a little strong. Right, it's, yeah. But close enough. Like, we'll give it to him. Yeah.
2: Um." But yeah, I mean, that's, you know, and then obviously uh, he recently passed and that mm-hmm. is very sad. But I guess what was the first when, you know, when you, uh, you know, heard about the news, what was the first one that you, you went to?
0: Oh uh, well, see, it's it's hard for me to to say because you know, well, <laughs> actually the, the first like uh, like like immediately after uh, he died is when the the, the TRL uh, reboot started, <laughs> and so I, I had to kind of put a put aside my, my grieving process for an hour as I as I watched right. that uh, which was sort of an interesting process. But uh, I, I I mean you know sometimes when, when an artist like this dies, you get time to kind of digest in your own right, and sometimes you just have to dive right in. So right. Th- this this was one of those times I just had to dive right in. If if I had to go to one song first probably would have been learning to fly uh, mm. e- either that or uh, or don't do me like that would probably be like the two songs that I would lean to first is, as, as the things that represent what I love about Tom Petty the most yeah uh, you know aside, you know, American Girl free Fallen, obviously or the, the songs that he'll be best remembered for forever and that's totally fine but mm-hmm. th- those, those are the songs that I have a little bit more personal connection to well, right. what about you, Joe? What, what did you go for
2: you know I and I, I would say like my mind went to, to break down in wildflowers okay. but what I did was listen to the first album. Um, and this is sort of an anticlimactic way of putting it, but the first song on the first album was Rockin' Around, Parentheses With You, which is (laughs) kind of a goofy, slight, not super classic song. So it definitely was one of those things, like I'm so sad about this, and then kind of go to listen to this kind of like
0: dinky, <laughs> like rock song. It was kind of like nah, well, that, that no, kind of helps don't. a little bit. I mean, you know, keep, keeps you from dwelling too much, I mean, right? Like, oh yeah, this was you know this this was a guy. He had his flaws, and he had his, he had his strong points and weak points. And, yeah. Yes,
2: but but re- be- you know before we wrap this up, returning to that album, there are you know like the wild one forever is a great song. Anything that's rock and roll is a great mm-hmm. one. Um, there's some really. Uh, I mean, he's just, you know, he's an incredible, like, he's got got the songs. Worksman, you know,
0: just real, uh, somewhere between worksman and artisan, I think. Um, Uh, And real quick, uh, just because there's no kind of natural point to touch on this, uh, great work as an outside songwriter, too. Talk about, you know, this, if Stevie Nicks's yes. Stop Dragging My Heart, right, Around Which is biggest hit, his which biggest we did not ever, touch on. Uh, yeah. Which was really a Tom Petty and the Heartbreaker song that Jimmy Iovine kind of convinced him to give to Stevie mm-hmm. Nicks because he thought that her album, which had it, Edge of 17 on it, was lacking a big first single. Yeah. Uh, and that's a great song. Uh, there's another song called Never Be You, which he wrote that he gave to Maria McKee for the Streets of Fire soundtrack. Mm-hmm. It's a very random, overblown 80s soundtrack. It was a beautiful, beautiful song and uh, a number one hit eventually for Roseanne Cash on The Country Starts when she covered it. Uh, you Got It by Roy Orbison, which... Uh, well, yeah, was, and that, a, that's a comp- fantastic song. Yeah, his, his I'm glad kind of we last, touched on that. Yeah, his his last, last the, really big solo The, the Black and Blue uh, album, I believe. Sure. Yeah. But uh, another petty co-write. And he, he had a couple like those throughout his career. You know, another one for Lone Justice. And, you know, he, he just kind of showed that, like, at his heart, th- th- this guy was a songwriter. Yes. And, you know, he, he was great at performing his own songs, but he was also perfect at letting go and and you know it, it, the songs are, are so strong that they kind of stand on their own outside of his own performance and they could they could have been work they could work for any number of artists really
2: right it actually reminds me um and yeah the, i guess the last thing he did uh, you know there might be a posthumous album mm-hmm. or something but um and we premiered it recently was uh chris hillman of the birds right. uh has a new solo album it's first in Ever or a really long time. I don't fully remember. Okay, I could tell you. Um, but, yeah, Tom Petty produced it and basically, like, half forced him to make this <laughs> album um, and was pretty, like, involved in the process. So, uh, yeah, he was a very generous person in terms of, like, giving songs and expertise to, you know, like mm-hmm. a Roy Orbison or a Chris Hillman, who you know, at various points throughout, you know, in the late 80s or now, like, you know, 2017, aren't as popular as Tom Petty is. And, you know, he was generous sure. enough to kind of use some of his star power to be like, hey, people, remember that there's other people who were you know, who, <laughs> who made yeah. me who I was, and that's
0: kind of that's kind of beautiful. It's a, it's a sort of a beautiful note for his career to end on. I mean, you know, they, they say that they're, they're, I mean, there's a story, and maybe it's apocryphal, I don't know, but that uh, the first time Roger McGuinn of the birds heard American Girl, he, say, he said to Tom Petty, oh, that's funny, I don't remember writing that one. He yeah, just assumed funny. that it was an old bird song that, that he was covering because you know it sounds so birdsy with the, the kind of jangling intro and uh, the chorus and so forth. Uh, and that that's sort of I don't know if it's Tom Petty's ultimate legacy, but I think one of them is just uh, just kind of keeping the the rock and roll flame burning. Like you know, he he did he experimented throughout his career with different kind of forms of rock and roll. You know, you know it was a power pop, blues rock, new wave, but but he always stayed very true to his rock center. And he's one of those figures that like. He'll, he'll just represent rock and roll forever, right, like uh, you know he might not have been kind of the most influential rock star. He certainly wasn't one of the first rock stars. Probably wasn't one of the most popular rock stars. But you think of Tom Petty, you think of rock and roll, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And, and that's you know, and he did a good job of both keeping that flame alive for the for the generation before him and passing it on to the generation after him. And so many uh, other artists have kind of you know, consciously or unconsciously stolen from him over the years. We talked mm-hmm. about Chili Peppers, Sam Smith, The Strokes. Yep japan droids i mean Mm -hmm. like these these artists were just little fragments of of tom petty classics kind of seep their way in and you don't even know if it's intentional or not because it doesn't really matter because he's just part of the rock and roll language at this point
2: yeah i think that's i think it's a beautiful place to end it on all right so let's do it uh well thanks for uh for joining me andrew i appreciate
0: it thank you for having me on joe and uh
2: paying homage to tom and uh yeah so and thank you for listening uh if you know if you uh I guess my, my recommendation, if, you, if you're if you not super familiar, I would say listen to Full Moon Fever start to finish and then maybe head back to Damn the Torpedoes and then maybe Wildflowers. And I guess for you, you know, what are your... Well, I think
0: those three, and you fill in the greatest hits from there. And if you really feel like digging more, there's there's plenty more to be found. But I think those those are the essentials.
2: All right, lovely.
0: All right, thank you for listening. And uh,
2: we love you, Tom. <laughs> you belong among the wildflowers